0: Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees Podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Jo Millmine, and this is episode 117, Far East Adventures. I feel a need to laugh again with you, if that's alright. Hello, hello and welcome into the show. How are you? I hope you've been well since last time I spoke to you last week when we had our wonderful interview with the ever fabulous Susan Crawford. If you haven't checked that out yet, I heartily recommend that you do go back and listen to 116. It was a great chat we had about vintage Shetland projects and some cool stories And Susan shared some of her journey through um, her recent bout of cancer. So if if that's something that's going to be difficult for you, then obviously don't go back and listen to it. But uh, there was some really good chatter about the book and the amount of work that went into it and the stories that came out of it that I found fascinating to listen to. And I know you will too, so do go ahead and go back and check that out. In today's episode, uh it's gonna be quite a chilled one, just a bit of a more of a catch-up really, of what's what's been going on, Shay Shiny. I've got some follow-up from uh the Yarn Snob episode and some comments and thoughts and potential names for those other three places on the list to share with you and we'll just be, be enjoying a little bit of knitting chatter so get yourself a drink get your knitting and we will crack on with the show so first up today i thought i would share some bits of information and uh it's funny now a story what well, really was not funny at the time regarding our Far East Adventures. As you will know if you're watching my insta stories in particular I don't put a lot of pictures on my actual grid but I do put quite a few just snippets that I see and funny things that I like. In particular I like Chinglish signs. I really love the translations on on signs, it makes me giggle. I think it's amazing. So I've got a little collection of chinglish signage going on in my highlights as well. But I tend to just put a lot of the pictures on my stories and and as you will know if you're watching that, I'm spending the summer in the Far East in China at the moment. So quite interesting and definitely I'm trying to get around and see how the scene maybe is a little bit different to what you can expect in other countries and finding some, some yarn shops potentially and uh, sharing some of that that with you. And I thought today I would just share a few observations and, and a funny story basically. So you can feel a little bit like you are on, on this adventure with me and it's something I used to do a lot when I moved house <laughs> roughly every 10 minutes on the podcast I would share some details of the place that I'd moved to and a bit of um, background. And I'll just share some kind of things you might not know about China to start with. So the first and most confusing thing for me is small children urinating in the streets. Now, granted, with the population the size that China has, it's kind of a good thing they're not all wearing disposable nappies because that would be a landfill nightmare. But... They, they don't wear nappies at all. In fact, what they have are these little custom shorts. Uh, I mean, the girls will wear skirts or dresses, but the, the little babies will have these little custom shorts that they wear that are completely devoid of a crotch. So they're, they're basically swanning around and doing, doing their toddler thing, you know, walking around, exploring, being cute, with their arse cheeks hanging out, frankly. And whenever they want a wee or whatever, they just kind of squat down and do it. Which, I mean, it's not something we do in the UK. Urinating in public places is generally frowned upon. I think it might be criminal offence, I don't know. But it's not, not something we really do. But they definitely are into it in a big way here, especially with the kids. And, like I say, it's a little bit more environmentally friendly. And, I mean, there's not that many issues with it, theoretically, if it rains it off, I guess. But um, where it does get a little bit problematic is is when they decide to do it indoors. That's, that's a bit... Bit more of a problem, so you do tend to find little kind of poo um, marks and and wee marks, and the cleaners will just come along and put sand on it and then sweep it up and take it away. It's very very odd, and mostly like kind of amusing that they've all got the bum cheeks hanging out. So that's that's one of the the very strange things that has struck me thus far in China is the actual adaptation of baby and toddler wear to facilitate public urination so <laughs> it's a little bit different A little bit different um, the next thing is population density we are in a different place to where we were last year and we're in on the edge on the outskirts of a big city and they do love a good skyscraper here they really do All the building we live in has got 32 floors we're only on the 7th floor so we're quite low down still very high up for me and there are row after row after row of high-rise buildings. And I don't know if they're, they are all full because I look at the lights at night to see how full they are. And I don't know if they are all full. But they do love to build a, almost like a little housing estate of high-rise. But if we're in the UK, we'd have like five or six matching ones and then no more around it. These are like 25 matching buildings in one kind of block and then the next block will have a lot so everywhere you you look is a little bit dystopian future it reminds me of that that kind of kind of futurism (laughs) film and obviously when you've got population the size that they have here it does present some kind of planning challenges and services challenges and you know public transport mass transport challenges so also it's out my window the busy building what i've termed the mancunian way and if you're familiar with the Mancunian Way in Manchester, it is a raised road that runs right through the middle of Manchester, and the other roads cross underneath. Now, in China, when they run out of space on the road, they just kind of build a double decker road and build another motorway above it, and that that's what they're busy doing outside my window with the Mancunian Way, as it's been now dubbed. There's got to be some kind of Mancunian Chinese spin on this somewhere, but... It's very interesting watching them all welding and stuff when they're um, busy building this road. It will kind of feel like the Mancunian Way is in my bedroom when it's finished, I think. But interesting in terms of how do you transport this many people around and how do you deal with uh, demands for power, for, for gas, for water, for everything, really. It's very interesting to me as a geographer of course. The other interesting thing that I've found is how much they like to sleep here and when when I say sleep I mean everything kind of stops at a certain time in the afternoon in, in a similar way to the you know in Spain where everyone has a little siesta uh, but mostly in Spain like they close the shops and they go home. Uh, here they just go to sleep where they are so you'll see lots of um, grannies with with babies because the, all the grandparents seem to do the childcare as well. Um, but they will just sit with the little toddlers whilst they nap, hold them whilst they nap. So they must have like arms of steel. But the grown ups also are amazing sleepers. So you'll go in Starbucks and there'll be people who've come in Starbucks to sit down in the aircon. They've not even bought a Starbucks. No intention of drinking coffee come in for a nap so they just come in and sit down and and fully just go to sleep on on the little couches and stuff not bothered in a coffee shop which is kind of ironic because coffee surely is the opposite of sleep what's even funnier is when if you go to Ikea over nap time now in Britain in in Ikea we go in and we test the bed right we have a little it, we have a little wriggle around and we kind of Theatrically bounce off the bed and, and try it on every angle. We go, yeah, that'll do. I'll, I'll go to the picking area. I'll go pick my bed. I'll fold the mattress in half to get it in my impossibly small car that I've given no consideration to how I'm going to get this thing home. And I'll go home and I'll, I'll put, put my bed mattress on my bed at home and I'll, I'll sleep at home. Not in China. No. They go to IKEA and they, they take testing the beds very seriously. So seriously, in fact, that they just go to sleep on the bed. So it's nap time, nap time in China every day. And they they literally go into Ikea and lie down on the bed and go to sleep. It's amazing. Talk about using things for the actual purpose. You know, no showroom here. I'm not going to show you the bed. No, no, I'm going to test the bed. I'm going to test drive it properly and fully by going to sleep on it for an hour in the afternoon and then seeing what I think, which is pretty amazing. I find it really, really funny. So I'm enjoying all of the different um, bits of culture and the interesting ways that people do things here and um, just how it makes your brain work a bit differently when when you see how other people do things and their points of view and the way things have developed in in a different country is pretty cool. So the the one other thing that... um, Again, it's it's not, it's not, it's just an observation. It doesn't bother me that much, but it bothers some people. And it is, um, it's a fully, it's a disease, like it, not a disease, it's a condition. It's a condition that you can have aversion to mouth noises. So here, everyone like chomps their food. And obviously, if you're British, then you've been taught, you know, not to eat with your mouth open and not to speak when you are eating and all that kind of stuff. That's how we do it. Well, here. If you don't kind of go and sound like you're enjoying it, then they're going to think you hate their food, and that's really bad. They Obviously, they want to see you enjoying the food, so you have to be a little bit theatrical with, with the noises so that they know you're enjoying the food, <laughs> which is fine. I, like I say, I'd rather not hear it, but it do not bother me that much. But there are people who it is a full-on thing, an aversion to that kind of mouth noise. So, quite interesting culturally to see how different things can be when everyone is you know everyone's a human at the end of the day but how things develop completely differently so you can go here and you can see how they do things so I'm interested to find out I'm really interested to find out in terms of the knitting how things are similar and how things are different so um, I've got a few kind of pins dropped around the city for places that I'm going to go and have a look at I've been to a yarn shop in Beijing before and that was quite an interesting experience because the entire conversation was in Chinese and all the ball bands are obviously Chinese and Google Translate has some fairly interesting translations for some of the fibres that are in some of the yarns. So I'm looking forward to that and obviously I'll share anything that I find off that and about that with you because it's just something different. I'd like to know what how people do knitting Wherever they are in the world. So also on our travels, getting to the funny story part, and we, she's not featured very heavily in the podcast for a while. And sometimes I forget some of the things that have happened that I've recorded forever and put it into the internet for everyone to hear about, about my terrible parenting skills. And today is no exception to that. So the other weekend we went to Qingdao, which is the place where they first started making... Tsingtao beer, which is the Chinese beer you can get in, in the UK. You get it everywhere. Uh, it's quite strong in the UK. It's about 5%. And it doesn't seem to be as strong here. But um, my sources tell me, and I kind of tested this from some terrible headaches I've had recently, that they actually put formaldehyde in beer here to um, to clear it and to preserve it for longer. So, And apparently that's what causes the bad headaches, which I didn't know. Um, but uh, apparently, the, the the legal level of formaldehyde and um, Qingdao beer is is below that, and there are some kind of people who say, "Well, I'm not sure if they even really do that anymore." But we went to Qingdao, and we tried some Qingdao Qingdao beer, and we went along to an international beer festival. It's one of those things that kind of ends up happening. And it was like a big fair. So they had a big fairground. They had some beer tents. They had some uh, cheesy Chinese kind of Euro poppy type uh, singers and dancers. Lots of lights and a foam party. And all kinds of stuff. It was like a proper fairgroundy atmosphere with some beer tents of various beer purveyors. And we went as a big group with our friends, and. At a certain point up the kind of promenade, we decided we would quite like some Korean noodles now. So my husband gets in the queue for the Korean noodles and I carried on walking with the kiddies. And then we met our friends, who some other friends who would come to meet us. So we all stopped and started to talk. Now, about 10 minutes later, when he turned up with the noodles that he'd been waiting for, it became apparent that Her Britannic Majesty was not indeed in the group of people at all. And I looked around and I couldn't see her anywhere. And it was starting to get dark. So normally it's quite easy to spot her because she's the only blonde child within a mile. So it's quite easy to spot her and the other kids because they're they're everybody else is Chinese. And I couldn't see her anywhere. And this is an international beer festival and there's like 10 tents and a massive fairground. And it's over the size of like probably Wembley Stadium. It was massive. And then all of the things I've ever seen on Facebook about child abduction starts running through my head. I'm like, Millie, we need to get this place locked down. And he's like, oh, give over. Like, you can't get a place like this locked down. And I said, really? Watch this. And as he stood there, I saw a marching troop of riot police. Now, I don't know kind of why they bother with riot police, because no one really fights here. You know, Like even though they're all drinking beer, it's all about Gambai and, and bottoms up and cheers and having a great time. So nobody's busy fighting, but they do have this little troop of, Riot police that have been marching around, and they do—they do like a good march. Do the Chinese? They like a good drum. They like a good march, right? So they're they're marching around with the helmets on, with the little visors, and the hilariously the uh, the riot shields they have the big plastic riot shields, and they're all marching along in time and so I basically run to the front of this marching column of riot police and kind of put my hand out in a kind of stop sign to the guy at the front which completely throws them like nobody does this nobody stops the marching troops nobody like you move out of the way like they they march they just march into you unless you're like a five three inch westerner who's very insistent that they stop so the front one stops And then the rest sort of kind of concertina into him because they're not expecting to be stopped and no one's given them the order to stop. And basically, I get into this this kind of conversation because nobody here speaks English, unless sometimes the students do, but generally it's it's very difficult uh, to find anybody that will speak any English. And having this Google Translate kind of conversation saying that my child is lost and between them, they knew enough of the words to figure out that's what I was trying to say and showed them a picture. And um, they took a picture and then the radios went and the, then that's it. They're, these riot police get into a big V. They, they're marching through this crowd trying to find her. And um, in fairness, they found her within five minutes. She was quite far away and uh, heading towards the funfair and they, they basically found her and stopped her and, and, and got her and my husband just about caught up to them and, and caught caught them a couple of minutes later when they got her and she came running over to him and they, they frog marched both of them back to where I was waiting a little bit of a nervous wreck at this point and uh, brought, brought her back with the little shields all the way back to, to where we were and um, thank goodness for the surveillance state eh you know like, <laughs> They had her within five minutes and it was a really, really big area and it was getting dark and we didn't know exactly how long she'd been gone for because we'd stopped and thought she'd stopped and she'd obviously carried on. Now, it became apparent that she'd seen an LED dance floor and she'd gone over to, to dance on this LED dance floor, which was only about 15 metres away, so within eye shot of, of where we were, um, and had been dancing on that for a bit, got a bit bored and then carried on walking by, by herself towards the fairground. And um needless to say I was like awake half the night going through all of the possible permutations of what could have happened there, you know. And uh, even on the way out actually in fairness to them we were stopped by the police and they, they were asking asking us you know like um pointing at her and I said oh no no she's my child we found her now we found her. And um, but talk about scary like just disappearing like that and they were they were on it they were awesome and she she was completely unfazed by being picked up by the riot police completely not bothered she just follows along with them you know it's like yeah no, no, another glorious day in the court riot police have come for me but i'll just i'll just roll with this so that was that was interesting one of our kind of funnier it's funny night really wasn't funny at the time so, yes, uh, there was some definite tension issues on my knitting uh, the day after that because I had to kind of knit myself down again and try to stop worrying quite so hard. Because, I mean, China is quite a safe country. People generally do as they're told. Like, they don't have massive amounts of crime because they have quite punitive punishment methods. And if you get done, if you're a bit of a naughty boy or girl, then they'll restrict your transport and stop you going on the trains and all this kind of stuff. So people tend to just do as they're told generally your average joe on the street certainly so it is a reasonably safe place but still super worrying when uh, when your kid goes missing at an international beer festival really so yeah so that's what we've been up to so far over here a little bit travel journally and not so much knitting But I just thought, you know, I'll let you catch up with where we're up to and give you some kind of background as to why there's all of a sudden quite a lot of Asian influence on my Instagram stories. So if you've been, if you've been to China and you know some good yarn shops or you have any contacts of anyone who does know some or you just want to share your funny stories of China, do get in touch with me. Um, it's going to be awesome to hear from you. I am going to Shanghai in a couple of weeks and if anyone knows anywhere there that I can go and check out some yarn, that would be awesome. So now we're going to go on to the yarn snobbery. A few weeks ago, episode 114 I think it was, I was having a very, very tongue-in-cheek look at yarn snobbery and how it manifests and the different types of of yarn snob and uh, just reread my my show notes for that. They were quite funny. Sometimes I'm funny. Uh, That was definitely one of those times uh, where I was like, hi girl, you're funny. So we were talking about yarn snobbery and the different types of yarn snob. So just to refresh your memory on this, I had Seven, and I wanted to add another three, basically. Different types of yarn snob that I might have missed out during this conversation. So we had the acrylic yarn snob, the novelty yarn snob, the indie slash hand-dyed snob, the luxury fibre snob, the trendy name snob, the price snob, and the confused yarn snob slash yarn swinger, which I'm definitely in that one as well. So I asked for some feedback and some ideas about other things that we could include in that, other types of yarn snob. And I got some really good comments, some of which I'm going to share with you now, and we can kind of together come up with a way of um, getting the shortlist down and getting our 10 types of yarn snob. So Judy said that there's the Heritage Breed yarn snob, the Organic yarn snob, and the Naturally Dyed yarn snob. Combine them and you have the organically, naturally dyed, organically raised heritage breed yarn snob. And then, throw, throwing a grenade in there, she talks about knitting needle snobs. Which is um, interesting because there's definitely like levels of knitting needles as well. Definite preferences to be had when it comes to knitting needles. And maybe that's a conversation for another episode. But she also prompted Bronner to join in and give some thoughts as well so she said i had avoided falling into any of the yarn snob categories but judy raises the issue of needle snobs it's not that i refuse to knit on anything but carbon fiber but there are definitely needle types and brands i prefer and i will spend a bit extra to have those then again as a designer who makes quite a lot of her own samples good tools are important which that is really a thing i think if you're going to be working on something for hours and hours, then definitely get the right kit for the job. Otherwise, you can find that you are sitting funny, that you're getting tension in your back and your arms, your posture's bad, that makes your breathing bad. Like it's a serious business, this knitting lark. And um, making sure that you have the right kit so you can knit in a very ergonomic way is super important. Maybe that is another podcast episode for you as well. Um, so she said she uses Knit Pros. She loves interchangeable symphonies, and she uses Zing DPNs. So if she's not using those, she's using metal addies. Now, I I don't use any of those anymore. I'm I'm Little Miss Higher Higher, but I do love a wooden um, symphony DPN for knitting socks, I have to say. Now, Catherine said she's with me in the Confused Yarn Snob Group. Thank you. And she loves an indie yarn, but she loves a good tinsel yarn, which are excellent for making catnip mice. Now, I've never made a catnip mouse because I don't like cats. So I've never had a a cat. Uh, I've certainly never knitted for a cat. Um, But I can see my mother-in-law doing something like that, really. She's a bit more of a cat person. But yeah, who knew catnip mice? And there were patterns for it as well. Maybe I should go look them up on Ravelry. Um, But she also believes there's a place and a knitter, crochet, or crafter for every type of yarn. She said, I'm not sure if there's also an ethical yarn snob, someone who will only use a particular yarn, e.g. plant-based due to ethics, like um, if you're vegan, for instance, which is cool. And ethical yarn snob, I think, could definitely be in there, but it, it, I said I, I really feel like you would want to be ethical if you knew, like you would not go, I really you know what dear shopkeeper where is your selection of cruelty yarns like you would never do that obviously you want there are some people who take it quite far in terms of really digging into how these animals have been treated or refuse to use it at all because it's an animal product and there are people in the middle who if if the information is there they would make the choice to have the non-cruelty yarn but they don't necessarily go out of the way to find that out and then you've got the ones but I mean, you'd have to be a little bit sadistic to be like, I want this, this animal to have suffered for this yarn. You'd have to be a bit weird, I think, to be in that camp, pouring it out there. Um, so yeah, that was quite interesting. Also, we had some chatter in the Shiny Bees podcast group, uh, over on Facebook. If you're not a member, then go join. It's shinybees.com forward slash community and it will redirect you straight to the groups so you can come join in. Now, Daria in this one also brings up the only naturally dyed yarns users, but what they really mean is botanical because chemicals can be natural too. And then Lee, who's definitely won the comment of the week um, for her awesome picture of some tinsel snowmen. She said, she would cl- I would class myself as a swinger. As I mainly knit socks, I love to use indie dyed merino nylon as it feels nice and it looks nice. Can care. But I will also knit socks in commercially dyed sock yarn. Me as well. I also do feel that all yarns have a purpose. And whilst I don't actually have any in my stash at the moment, I would use an acrylic or acrylic blend for a baby blanket as the recipient would need something easily washable. And hey, who knows? Have the urge some winter to whip up a tinsel snowman because what's not to love? There's nothing not to love. Look at their little happy tinselly faces. They're very happy. And there's 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 patterns for tinsel yarn, snowman, toilet roll covers. You know, like what is not to love about that? But Lee does not like Aldi yarn. She says she doesn't understand why people love Aldi yarn so much. Um so a little bit, you know. A little bit controversial though. You might like Aldi Yarns, um, but Lee definitely does not. Poppy Pipkin, who has possibly the coolest and most alliterative name in the group, she only started knitting two years ago, so she had no idea about all the different yarns back then. And she said, I'm finding as I learn more, that it's more about finding the right yarn for the projects I'm knitting, so I'm open to all. So, Which is cool. And definitely something I agree with. It's all about getting the right tools for the job. That's that's how I approach things, rather than just being dogmatically loyal to one particular yarn. Um, Elena is also a yarn swinger. She doesn't touch acrylic, but she likes to try and get her yarn and fibre as locally and as close to source as possible. But she'll ignore all of that if there's something sparkling. I love your approach to that, Elena. I'm definitely definitely on board with that. Brenda uh, says she's definitely a swinger but she's not confused i like i like how you're so sure about your yarn choices that's good and nicola said you missed i only knit with a specific origin yarn snobs so the yarn must origin ori- originate the yarn must originate from a specific valley like champagne and be hand shown and woven by an army of magical local pixies i want some of that nicola give me a link i want some of that <laughs> champagne champagne yarn and jean said she would be a great britain yarn snob she's been doing a lot of fair isle color work and she likes to use real shetland wool she lives in california and usually has to order online so different i mean quite often people want to be a local yarn snob and just have local yarn but jean's actually taking it the other way and saying well i want the right yarn that would go with that kind of pattern even though that isn't necessarily local to me which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Now, the other thing I would encourage you, if you've enjoyed the yarn snobbery chatter, to go and have a look at is Anna Elliott's blog post. The episode prompted some thoughts uh, from Anna on this and I really liked her um, approach to this and really thoughtful. She um, has written a blog post about it and she references the podcast episode in that but she talks um in a lot more kind of not super serious but she she, she's really thoughtful about the way she's approached this idea of yarn snobbery and um using wool and how it how it's inclusive or exclusive which I'd never really thought of it was a very tongue-in-cheek episode from me because I I do like to just do something that's a little bit fun and see what people think and get people chatting but she's been taking a very thoughtful view of it and talked about how inclusive or exclusive knitting can be based on the yarn so I would definitely encourage you to go and have a look at that and but to, to wrap up her Uh, blog post on it she says maybe we shouldn't need to know why because it's just the yarn they use not other yarn just yarn the point is they shouldn't be excluded or ignored yarn is yarn knitters are knitters if the world needs anything it needs more inclusion so again she's i really enjoyed it because it was a very you know thoughtful and considered um exploration of this subject Uh, which is kind of, you know, quite quite different to mine. It's a little bit of a tangent off mine, but I really love it when people are prompted to go do something or think about something or talk about something or write about something as a result of something we've talked about on the podcast, because I think content should move people um, to do something. And that might be to disagree with you. Uh, It might be to go off on a really thoughtful tangent. It might be to say, you're so right. I've been thinking that forever about speckled yarns it could be anything but I think content should move people and I'm not precious and want them to be moved in a certain way I just think if you're going to make content make it worthwhile content and if it doesn't move people then is it really a worthwhile piece of content so that was really interesting I'll put a link to that blog post in the show notes for you so you can go find that and as I say if you want to come and join in the conversation about the yarn snobs Or anything else that you hear on the podcast, you can do that in the Shiny Bees podcast community on Facebook. So that's all we've got time for today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I have enjoyed chatting the breeze with you today. Very laid back and um, informal episode this week for you. Just to kind of bring you a little bit up to date and share a little bit of the stuff that I'm experiencing out here with you, because I know a lot of you enjoy that. And basically, yeah, self-flagellation at losing my own child at an international beer festival. I mean, can you imagine that on the cover of The Daily Fail? So, I will be back again next week. And until then, you can find all of the links and everything else that you want um, regarding this episode and any other at shinybees.com. And this is forward slash 117 for this episode. And any other episode, it would be forward slash and the episode number. And you can find the show notes and the links there. So, have a lovely week. Happy crafting. And I will speak to you all again soon. Cheers. again with you, if that's alright I need a drink I need a friend I need your help I want to smile again